0: Well, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, for feeding us today with your word. And Lord, I just pray that every person would leave different than the way they came. They'd be encouraged and strengthened. And Lord, go to a new place. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, that's what church is about. Church is, is about going to another place. That, that things get rearranged in your life and you, you, you step from where you are to the next place. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent, I'm bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, if you read later, now we're not going to read it, but if you read later in verse 7, 8, 9, what happened is is they were accusing Paul. Like, Paul, you're a real big man when you write these letters, but in in presence, you know, you're weak. And he addresses some of that, but look in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. From this passage, we know... in if you've had any experience in life, you know that we are in a warfare. But, you know, people magnify that. Well, you know, I'm just, they're always in a battle. You know, they're always in a crisis. But we recognize the fact that we are in a war. Um, We're not in heaven yet, are we? (laughs) And so we know that Jesus has already won the victory for us, though. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' victory is my victory. And so... One thing you have to realize is the past tense of God's word. There's many things that people are praying for that God's already promised to you. And so we just have to know what it is, take advantage of it, believe it, and receive it in our life. And so when it comes to the devil, today I'm not trying to defeat a defeated foe. But we are the resistance army, the occupying army. What does the Bible tell us to do? Occupy till I come back. The enemy will fight you, though, to take what God's already given you. But what does 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 say? Fight the good fight of faith. We're still going to have to fight. But it's not what a lot of people think. It's not warring after the flesh. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Everyone say fight. 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 The good fight of faith. See, that's the only fight you're called to be in. And if you're in any other fight, you're in the wrong one. Because if the, if the enemy can keep you out and keep you in reason and, and just all in your head, he'll always whip you. Because that's where he lives. But if you can keep him in the arena of faith, then you'll whip him every time. <clears throat> Hosea 4, 6 says this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He goes on to talk about because you've rejected knowledge, but I want you to look at the first part. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I like what um, the late John Osteen said. He said, we need not so much inspiration as we need information. Thank God for inspiration, but you need to have some information with that. Amen. Or or you'll just be running like I did and not know why you're running. (laughs) So we have to understand that we're in a fight, but it always is a a faith fight. So I want to share this morning along this line, using the weapons of my warfare. Using the weapons of my warfare. See, you can know all about the weapons that God's given to you, but you have to use it. You know, it's like a lot of people, they have something real nice and, and maybe it's a collectible. It just stays in a certain drawer in their, the chest drawer, you know, in the very back or whatever. You know, some people treat the Bible like that. Well, you know, we're just going to, you know, we're going to, it's Friday morning. We're going to dust and got to dust the Bible off. You know, the Bible's not made to just be kept in a corner as a relic. It's, it's made for it to be on the inside of you. I, I read this one time or actually heard this one time, they said this, that if your Bible is falling apart, you're not. If you, Who's ever seen a Bible? I mean, look at mine. Of course, I've had it for 23 years. And um, I had a, yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a brother, um, brother in the Lord. He, um, he saw this Bible that I had, it was one that I'd had since I'm, My mom had given me like in 1990, and this was like 2000. And it's the one I took to Bible school with me, and I opened it up one day, and it just like half of it went down this way. He looked at me and said, brother, he said, what are you going to do with that thing? So he went to the the bookstore and and bought me a a, a Kenneth Copeland Bible, (laughs) the bookstore, and um, it's almost in the same shape now, but, but if your Bible's falling apart, chances are you're not. And I heard this, someone said, the mark of a well-fed soul is a well-read Bible. So that's how you feed yourself. You open the book. Let it get on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So every skilled soldier has weapons. You don't go into battle without weapons, do you? But the Bible tells us that this is not natural, but this is spiritual. Everyone say Spiritual. Ephesians chapter 6, very familiar passage. I was just talking a few moments ago about the armor of God. But listen what Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Not just part of it. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles or the trickery of the devil. How many know that's what the devil does? He's a trickster. I mean, he has nothing new. All he does is trick. He uses deception. You know what deception is? Deception is this, causing you to think on things as if it's the truth. You're thinking on things that are not true as if it is. And then you're deceived. And here you know, the problem about deception is you don't know that you are. So he says, you may be able to stand against the trickery of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, it doesn't say that we wrestle. We don't wrestle. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. How many know your spouse is not your problem? How many know your co-worker is not your problem? Your boss is not the problem? The devil is the problem. So I don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places or wicked spirits in the heavenlies. And so those those are actually, what are those four things? Those are four classes of of evil spirits. The first three, then the wicked spirits in the heavenlies are the highest class. Of, of wicked spirits in the heavenlies. Well, we can get rid of it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does he say? Wherefore, take unto you. Now, take means there's going to be some action. Take unto you. It's like the person that says, you know, you know fight the good fight of faith. Oh, I thought you were going to do it for me. I thought you were just going to pray for me and then the devil's just going to leave me alone, you know. You fight. You take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So, all the weapons God has given us is so that we can stand, not so that we can be defeated, not so we can quit or give up, faint or lose heart. You know, that's what being weary is. Who's ever felt weary? In the battle, you know, in living for God. What the enemy does is tries to just wear you down to where you're just exhausted. And then you're just going to throw up your hands and just say, I just quit. But that's why he says, don't quit. Don't lose heart. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing what's right. For in due season you shall reap. Hallelujah. I'm looking for some due season around here. Hallelujah. You know, due season is real is usually a lot longer than what your or later than what your flesh wants it to be. But you just hold on. So that's why he said, "Fight the good fight of faith." Amen. If you didn't have to fight for it, then you know if it just fell on you, wouldn't that be nice? You know, it just fell fell on you like ripe cherries off a tree. Hallelujah. But I want to share some different weapons. That God has given us. Weapons of our warfare. And I may not get through but one of these today. But that's okay. How many know we have next Sunday? <laughs> Number one. The word of God. The The greatest weapon we have in our arsenal. In the believers fight is the word of God. Look, look what he says here in Ephesians 6. It would hurt just to read... Um, the preceding verses. Verse 13. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may have to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. That's the word. So, so when you look at it. What, what's holding up that whole um, armor. Is that belt right. That goes across. What is that doing. What's it um, symbolize? The word of God truth having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked all the fiery darts now you might feel like you have someone on your backside and in you know in your chest and everywhere But that shield of faith, what what does that mean? Faith in God's word. Faith in what God has said. When I have faith in what God has said, it's like a shield. And and it protects me. It, it, It watches all those fiery darts. I mean, all those fiery darts, it's like when you see all these missiles coming. Here comes another one. But what do you do? You just stand. Oh, you know, I was just hoping there was, I'm just going to lay down right now and I hope there's not any more coming, you know, pastor pray the devil leaves me alone. He's not going to, as long as you're in this body, but he's already defeated. He's already under your feet. You just resist, resist the devil and he'll, he'll think about it. Resist, resist the devil and he'll put up a fight. Resist the devil and he will flee. He will run from you as in terror. Amen. When I think about the devil, sorry, I, I I just have like a picture in my mind. This little from from years ago and watching Lord of the Rings, you got the, one of these little <laughs> demon-looking thing. You know, he just walks like this. And He just says, "My Lord." You know, he's just talking, and you know, it's done or whatever. That's the way I see the devil. He's about two foot three, and and you know, the Bible says when we see him. People are going to say, is this the one that weakened the nations? Is this the one that we've worried about? But he masquerades himself as some omnipotent big God. You know, like he's big. A lot of people have a little God and a big devil. But I have a big God and a little devil. He's under my feet, the eternally defeated one who's been stripped of all his authority. Oh, I wouldn't, you know, people say, well, I wouldn't say that because the devil might hear you. He's the very one I want to hear. Because yeah. he's defeated. Amen. Amen. I'm going to make sure he hears it. We're going to shout it from the house So take that shield of faith where you're with, you can quench all the fiery darts. And verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. So what does the helmet do? It protects your head. Where, where do the fiery darts come? To your mind. You know, one area that he'll, he'll fight is you're not even saved. I have on that helmet today, though. He can't take that. He can't confuse me with that because I got that helmet on real secure. Amen. I got that helmet on. all When I go to bed, I have that helmet on. Yeah. You, you better have it because he'll try to come to you in the nighttime. Yeah. Who's ever had the devil try to? He, he's such a coward. He's got to do something when you're asleep. Put these thoughts in there. There's times I've woken up and I say, every thought that's not the word of God, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Every thought. It cannot be in my life. It cannot influence me. You foul devil. And I go on. And so he says, put on that helmet of salvation and then look at this. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, when you look at all these other things, what do the other things do? All these, what does the breastplate breastplate do? It protects you. What does the helmet do? It protects you. All the way to the shield. Now, I know you could probably hit somebody with a shield, you know, if you, you know, hit somebody real hard, you know, hit them like this. But it's not meant to be an offensive weapon. It's to protect you. But what is the Word of God? It's... It's, it's an offensive weapon. Why? You're going to, he says here, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that word of God is going to be coming out of my mouth. That word of God going to be coming. It's, it's going to be like a missile at the devil. You know, when he, when he always is bringing stuff with you, one thing the devil doesn't have is the fruit of the spirit. So he has no patience. So you, if you can actually outlast the devil. You can outlast him and you just whip him just by doing that. That's it. Devil, you can just keep it on. I'm going to just turn it up. It's like the Bible says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up. All you got to do is you get up a, one more time than you fell. Maybe you just fell in your faith. Just get back up again. Maybe you let your faith just get too low. We'll just get it strengthened again. So the word of God is, is the first weapon of our warfare. Jesus said in Matthew 4 4, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Turn over to Mark, I mean to Matthew chapter 4. I want to just look at that passage. Remember, Jesus, this was at the beginning of his ministry, and the Bible says that he went in the power of the Spirit. After this time, he goes into full-time ministry. Jesus was anointed at the age of 30 to begin ministry. Jesus spent 30 years getting ready for three and a half years. And look at this. Matthew 4. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down. Now look, uh, look at this. What does the what's the devil do? Okay, you you you're telling me it's written, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you it's written. So the devil says, for it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. He actually he he misquoted some of that verse, but he was trying to get Jesus to misapply it as well. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, he, that wasn't true. You know, he, he couldn't even give that. But if, if that was true, then it wouldn't even be a temptation to Jesus. He did have that power to give. Who gave it to him? Adam did. And so Jesus, once again, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. Well, you know, the devil was just so strong, I just couldn't resist. If you resist, what's the Bible say? He's going to flee from you. Yep. If you resist the devil and say, no, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to have it, at some point, he's going to leave you. Yep. Either you're telling the truth or God's telling the truth. <laughs> I believe God is. <laughs> then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So what happened? The angels came and ministered to Jesus and strengthened him, gave him some angel food cake, I'm sure. Now we don't know how long it was before he, he ate again. <clears throat> so the basis for all our victory, in any victory, any long-lasting victory you want in life, is always going to come back to the Word of God. Now look back here at this passage we, we had in our text, Second Corinthians. Chapter 10. Look in verse 5. He says, casting down imaginations. Do you know that the biggest warfare is in people's minds? True spiritual warfare deals with controlling one's thoughts and presenting your body a living sacrifice. Do you know that's the the greatest spiritual warfare? Controlling your thoughts and like Romans 12, 1 and 2, presenting your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. I honestly believe if you'll do those things, 95% of spiritual warfare will be taken care of. Because... How many know if if you yield to the flesh, you're always just fighting the flesh? It's not even the devil. You know, a lot of people want to cast out the flesh. You can't cast out the flesh. You have to crucify the flesh. (laughs) You kill it. That's right. And so verse 3, notice it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I don't know about you, but I have warred after the flesh. I mean, you can scream, you can yell, you can holler, you can screech. But if you don't change your thoughts, you'll still be tormented. You'll still have those thoughts coming against you. You'll still be tormented in your mind. Only long-lasting freedom you'll have is to have a renewed mind. Come on. Yeah, that's good. I, heard, I heard a story when I was in Bible school with this one young man. His, his brain was so fried through drugs and different things. Could not even hold an intelligent conversation. And someone got a hold of him, and he got born again, and they said, here. Now, this is the days days when you have like a Walkman, you know, cassette player and stuff like that. I actually still have one of those somewhere. It wasn't mine personally, but I think I'll hold on to it for, I could probably sell it for like a million dollars in a few years. My son might try to see what he could get for it, you know? <laughs> but what he did is he said, I want you to keep this word going all the time. Why? What, what does that do? That word renews your mind. It, it refreshes your mind. It cleanses your mind. I mean, the, the best, what, what is the best cleans, cleansing agent? We know the the power of the blood of Jesus and the Word of God. It's not some product that Phil Swift has on TV. It's the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Thank you, Lord. Say this with me. I I choose what I think on. I think on what I want to, and I don't have to think what I don't want to think on. But do you, have you ever heard someone say that? I, I just can't help what I think about. Yes, you can. Now, here's the problem if you've yielded and yielded and yielded in an area, it, it becomes a stronghold, it becomes something where you, you do it without even thinking about it. You know, it's just like someone, if if someone's always been a chain smoker. I mean, like my granddad, he, I'm sure he was like this because he was, you know, you you wake up in the morning, what happens? You reach for a cigarette. I mean, all the way to when you go to bed. Now, you don't even think about it. Why? Because it just becomes a habit. It just becomes something that just is a natural thing. But you have to, what happens when you try to, do something against it. Then the flesh, what does it do? It screams, doesn't it? You know, it's like when I was in Bible school. Um, I had a class called Submission and Authority. and We talked about pride and humility. And um, in teaching this, the instructor said he had many people every year that would say this. And they say, you know, Brother so-and-so, you know, I never had any problem with pride until I got in your class. He said, but ever since you've been teaching on this, he said, man, I've been having trouble with pride. He said, you don't have trouble with what you yield to. But it's when you try to do something about it, that's when you have trouble. See, you, it was causing you a lot of trouble. It's when you try to quit something, that's when you have trouble with it. But if you're just doing it, you know, there, there's no problem there. You just yield to it. But when you say, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like Norville Hayes said when he, you know, I don't care what it is. You know, if you love God and you smoke, you know, you just need the power of God to, 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 to help you. There's people that, that have any number of things in their life. And it just takes the power of God to come in and just deliver them. But it's like Norval Hayes said, when he, he said, when he made a decision to quit smoking, he said, all the demons in hell were crying. Because he said he, he just had visions of camels and, and, and visions of Marlboro and just all kinds of stuff. You know, even like Brother Kenneth Copeland, he said when, when, he, when he first got born again, he smoked. And he, was, and he was real heavy and he smoked. And he said he had to get victory in his life. And that, that was his own testimony. And he said he would throw cigarettes out of the window only to go turn around to go try to find them in the ditch. And he said he 'd go buy more, you know, <laughs> but he said he got into a meeting, and this minister, Hilton Sutton, was preaching on the second coming of Christ, and he said he got so absorbed with the Word of God and he just he said it just grabbed all of his attention. he realized two or three weeks later that he had not even had a cigarette and that 's what what it takes in life i don 't care if it 's a habit i don 't care if it's um lack of motivation in any area, when you get the Word of God that just, what the Word of God does, it feeds your spirit. It makes your spirit spirit stronger, and what happens is you begin to overcome. Amen. And I'm not worrying after the flesh. You know, if it was just willpower, a lot of people would change their life, wouldn't it? it? It takes more than willpower. It takes spirit power and getting strong on the inside. So we don't war after the flesh. But the answer is to have our mind renewed with the Word of God. Hallelujah. I know it's harder to deal with thoughts, but that's the real freedom in life. As I said earlier, 95% of spiritual warfare would be dealt with if people would renew their mind and crucify their flesh. I want you to look over in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I'm telling you, there's freedom and there's victory in the word today. Amen. I actually, I I want to read this real quick. I, I, I got this. If you're like me, I I highlight books, you know, and and mark them up. And um, I've had this book for 30 years, but it's one of the best uh, along this subject. And I I remember this quote, you know, when you've you've read it a thousand times, you kind of remember what you've read. But this is from the book, The Triumphant Church. And in here, um, Kenneth Hagin, he says this, Many believers are trying to get victory in life some other way. But what they need to realize is that genuine spiritual warfare has mostly to do with the mind and the flesh in fighting the good fight of faith. Those who wage a a good warfare keep their mind renewed and their flesh in check and know how to stand in faith on the promises of God. He says, I'm not denying the existence of the devil or that he is our adversary. But when a believer learns by the word of God to control his own thoughts and to gain mastery over his own flesh, he will have no difficulty in enjoying great victory over the devil who was defeated, stripped of his power, brought to naught, and reduced to nothing nearly 2,000 years ago. See, that's what people have to realize is the devil has been reduced to nothing. The devil's not my problem today. You know what the apostle Paul said about the devil? He said Satan hindered us. He said that on more than one occasion. We were purposed to go to this place, but Satan hindered us. That doesn't mean he stopped him all the way out, but he hindered him. But look over in um, Acts chapter 19. We'll, We'll finish in this passage. Verse seventeen, Acts nineteen, verse seventeen says this, and this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus. Now, this is right after, if you remember, the the seven sons of Skeva. They went to this one person and said, "Hey, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, he didn't even have a revelation of who Jesus was. Hey, that that Jesus, in Jesus' name, you know, he didn't have the revelation of that." He said, whom Paul preaches. And the Bible says that that man jumped on those seven and they went out, whipped, defeated, and tore their clothes off. Like like one minister said, the the morale of that story is this. If you try to operate on someone else's revelation, you'll get your britches torn off. Amen. It's got to be real to you. It can't be real to Pastor Will. It's got to be real to you. It can't be real to, to Kenneth Hagin. It's going to be real to you. Yeah. So after this, though, it, it says, All this was known to the Jews and Greeks, also during Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now, I think I asked this one time a couple years ago, but, or a few months ago. Who knows? Who's ever been to a, a grove burning? Who knows what I'm talking about, a grove burning? Anyone? Okay. A grove burning is when you do just like they did here and you bring all your, they brought these books, more or less probably witchcraft and all this sorcery and they brought all these books together and they piled it high. Well, I can't part with that. I paid a lot of money for that. You better get rid of it. I don't care how much you paid for it. You better get rid of it. So they piled it high. So I went to a church. This was before I even, I think before I was even born again. I was visiting my brother, and um, he was in college, and he went by. They had this, um, this church, and we just saw it in the back. They had this big bonfire going. So that's what a grove burning is. So, so you, you, you pile all the stuff up, you know, pornography, books, witchcraft, whatever it is. And so they, would, they, they had this. And that, you know, maybe the devils are screaming in the fire, but, (laughs) but you burn that. That's what they did. They piled all this together and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. And what happened? So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. How are things going to happen? It's going to be because of the word of God prevailing. How is it going? How is revival going to happen? How are people going to be set free from the enemy? By the word of God prevailing in their life. If you go on to read this passage, it talks about um, Diana, and it it, it says here, I'm not going to read this passage, but in verse 34, he says, when they knew that he was a Jew, this one of Paul's companions, it said, with one voice about the space of two hours, they cried out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Why? Because this was who they worshiped. For two hours. And there was confusion in, in, the, in the whole land. But you know, Paul didn't deal with the, the, the Diana spirit. He preached the word. How are you going to get rid of, of bondages? You preach the word. How are people going to give up things in life? By preaching the word. Hallelujah. So the way to gain victory is for the word of God to increase and prevail in your life. Preach the word. Like we like we said earlier, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering in doctrine. He goes on to say this: for the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. You know, my pastor has said this. I've heard him say it on more than one occasion. When it comes to different things, I don't care, uh, addictions, people can, many times they can be, they'll be delivered and can recover themselves. You know, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I don't care what it is. I don't care what habit. I don't care what it is. That thing can melt like butter today. It can melt like wax in the presence of God. So people can get over uh, you know that they can get over all kinds of different things and, and be healed in their body and have, have their mind restored people that have been on the brink of suicide and come back and and, yeah. and have purpose in life. Yeah. But one thing though that people rarely ever recover out of is false doctrine. Because yeah. it so ensnares people. Yeah. False doctrine. And that's why you have to watch it. That's why you have to let the word correct you. You have to let it rebuke you. (laughs) But you know, today, people people can't take a rebuke, can they? Unless unless it's a compliment, couched in soft tones, people holler verbal abuse. You know why? Because they've watched too many unscriptural talk shows. Well, you know, first of all, you just have to, you just have to, Build the person up and this and that. And in the proper timing, you know, just, dear, there is something here that you need to work on. And, um, but, you know, may, not too much big of a deal, but, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's just my opinion, but no. See, I, I believe in being led and being tactful, but that's in me uh, uh, with other people. You know when it comes to correction I can't determine how I get it. I can't determine how it comes to me. Well, you know I can't receive that cuz they just came too hard. Well, that means you're not going to receive it. What about Jesus when he stood up and said, "You hypocrites, you whitewashed tombs. You're you're full of dead men's bones." And let me tell you, but you know you're you're you have all these converts, but you, you travel land and sea to make converts. But when you do, you'll make them twice the child of hell that you are. Now, I told you Jesus wasn't as popular as people thought. He wouldn't be invited back. <clears throat> so preach the word. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 10, that verse 4 and 5, I want to just read this from the Amplified Bible. Listen to what he says. For the weapons of our warfare are not overthrown. They're not weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings. See, where is all that? That's in our mind, isn't it? And every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive to the obedience of Christ. You lead that thing away captive. You lead it out of your life. And then I want you to listen with the Moffat's translation. The weapons of our warfare are not weapons of the flesh, but divinely strong... To demolish fortresses, I demolish theories in any rampart thrown up to resist the knowledge of God. I take every project prisoner to make it obey Christ. And one other translation says this. We are engaged in confuting arguments and pulling down every barrier raised against the knowledge of God. So if you want to live a victorious Christian life, it starts with this. The God, God's word is number one in my life. And I thank God for that foundation in my life because when I gave my life to the Lord, thankfully that I had a mom that was serving God. And my first job, I was just telling my son was at Kmart. I mean, remember what Kmart is. And a few of you. And uh, I worked there my first job. Actually, my second job, the first job I ever worked in my life, it only lasted three days. So I don't really count that one. And uh, working in a, uh, a chicken, a restaurant that had um, fried chicken and had a buffet and all that. Wasn't as good as Pizza Ranch. But anyway, that was my first job. So when I was working at Kmart, I would work those three hours. But every morning, I would watch this minister. And I'd watch this minister. And then I'd go to work. Then I'd come home. And my mom had Joyce Meyer on on the radio. And then she had this minister on the radio. And I thank God for the foundation in my life because it started something on the from the beginning that, that made this this stronghold. You want a stronghold of the Word of God where it builds a good stronghold, where it, it grabs a hold of you. And I thank God that from that to, to books of Kenneth Hagin, to books of others. Um, and then being um, available to the ministry of Kenneth Copeland, Jesse DePlantis, Jerry Savelle, and, and just putting the word of God on the inside of you. Amen. So whatever you feed the most in life is what's going to grow. You know, people say, well, the grass is greener on the other side. Well, it always has to be mowed as well. But the grass is greener on the other side because it was watered more. So whatever you want to to grow in your life today, just begin to water that. Just begin to water the beliefs that, that are on the inside of you. Begin to water the things. And when it comes to the devil, what do you do with his thoughts? You cast them down and you starve those things. How do desires become weaker in my life? You starve them. You starve them. You know... Just say you don't, well, well, Pastor, I don't want to, I'll just use this as a real simple. Pastor, I don't want to eat Arby's anymore. I don't want to eat fast food anymore. Well, don't go down 14th Street anymore. (laughs) Or the house. Just avoid it. Go around it. Pass not by it. Don't go near the door of the house, as Proverbs said. (laughs) Pastor, I, I eat too much fried chicken. Well, don't go by... Um, Pizza Ranch. Just go to Walmart the back way and don't don't even look at the restaurant. When it comes to the flesh, starve what you don't what is wrong. Just starve it. What does that mean? Don't feed it. Whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you feed will torment you or whatever you feed will bless you. Whatever you feed will torment you or whatever you feed will, will bless you. So if I want the good things of God in my life, what am I going to do? I'm just going to immerse myself. And one thing I learned when I gave my life to the Lord is once I got immersed in the Word, some things just later on I found out I don't even have that anymore. That's not even in my life. One of the, the first things that left my life was depression. Why? Because he's not a depressed spirit, and he came to live on the inside of me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Big God. Big big Holy Ghost. He came to live on the inside. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, we got through one point today, so that's good. But, but God has given us many weapons. Yeah. Many weapons. Yeah. I'll just wet your appetite a little bit. He's given us the word. He's given us the name of Jesus. How many know that the name of Jesus we can use in prayer? We can use it to exercise authority of the enemy. We can use it to command demons to come out. People think, well, you know, I don't have any say so in life. You have the name of Jesus. Number three, I have the blood. The blood is a weapon, it cleanses me, and that blood is against the enemy. The blood. What what happened in the Old Covenant? They put that blood around the doorpost. I put it around the doorpost of my heart. That blood is around me that the devil cannot come near me. The devil cannot encroach on someone who has faith in that blood. Another weapon is the angels. Hallelujah. I, I, have, we- I have a heavenly host around me even now. That when I leave this place now... Even if you do something dumb, the Lord still protects you. You know, some people say, well, you know, you know the, 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 they're not protecting you. The angels, you know, they got out when you started going 75. If they got out when I was doing 75, I'd be in trouble. Who goes faster than 75? That's when you need the angels. <laughs> but all of these are, are at our disposal, as it were. Just take advantage of it. Take advantage of what belongs to you. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for touching every heart. And we just thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for the weapons that you've given to us. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name.